Hello, welcome to another episode of the Kings of Punk podcast. I am one of your co-hosts, Jake Razor here. To my right, we have... Uh, Gary U.S. Bombs. And to my right... Brain Wilson, a.k.a. Tyler Hammer. Cracking open a Nas there, I see. Oh, yeah, I forgot about this. Not I'm, to be confused I'm, with the rapper Nas. No. Or nitrous oxide. No, the energy drink. I'm going to have to steal a sip of that from you. But, uh, yeah, we're back again. Uh, once again, discussing the new Hulu miniseries, uh, Pistol. Pistol. Based on the book Lonely Boy, Memoirs of a Sex Pistol, I think it's called. Steve Jones' book. Um, yeah. Once again, if you missed the first episode, you can go back and listen. But it's directed by Danny Boyle, the director of Slumdog Millionaire and Train Spotting. You can also go on Amazon.com and probably find a copy. Of, buy, why don't you purchase yourself a copy of Old Jonesy's book? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Let me. I wanted to ask you guys, how was your guys' weekend? Pretty good, actually. Yeah. What'd you guys I, do? I. I. Uh, this is kind of Kiara and my partner's pre-birthday weekend i don't know how do you guys feel do you celebrate like if your birthday falls on a weekday especially like one that isn't near like a tuesday or wednesday or monday do you celebrate your birthday the weekend before or the weekend after depends whichever's closer and on on my birthday i always try to like i'll take the day off from work and i i you know i don't have a party or anything but i'm like this day is for me i'm gonna let, I mean, I spent my last birthday, but the actual day, I think I did meal prep and then we had practice, but that was very relaxing and it w- that was nice. Um, yeah. And uh, my birthday only happens once every four years, so I really don't give a fuck. <laughs> yeah, we got a leap year guy so, here. Yeah, we went to, let's see, well, what did we do? Uh, we went to dinner on Friday. We went to that uh, Tai Chi um, bubble tea, but we went to the Iron Barbecue one in Greece, so we did uh, Korean barbecue. Yes. Um, I ordered, for some reason, I was like, yeah, let me get squid this time. Was you it get, good? It was fine. I wish I didn't oh. get it. They gave, dude, they gave me so much. It's like, so they give you bar- Korean barbecue stuff that you barbecue on your little thing in front of you. Yes. And they gave me so much. And they're like, yeah, this is the rest of it. This is all that we got left. And it's like... It was like a well, hole. They it did felt that. like it was a lot. I've been to that place, and they do that because if you don't finish enough of your food, they like charge you more. That place, yeah. I enjoyed my meal, but it was way too much. I thought that place was a scam, and I don't know if I would go back. Wait, but so if you barbecue, don't eat what they, all the food that they, they give you, they're you. like, oh, well, you wasted the food. It's no, it's like fifteen dollars a pound. Obviously, it'd be a lot. So. You'd have to, Fuck. you'd have to not. But eat here's a lot. the thing: that is a scam. Here's the thing: just eat it all. Just shove it up your just ass shove, real just quick. Fucking yeah. sho- just fucking shovel it down your throat. Like, uh, Korean, if you those that don't know, Korean barbecue is pretty expensive. Like, I remember at the one place we went, I got bulgogi, and it was like 20-something dollars just for that. So, like, yeah. So, like, if you order, like, six things, and you're, like, with one other person. You're looking at It's like $33 a person. But, like, so if you order, right. like, three, like, two, three sets of two rounds, you will have your, you will have major money's worth it's so different than like all you can eat sushi if you go to all you can eat sushi and you like eat like four rolls you're you're you fucked yeah, up you're good no you're no you fight you, you probably maybe you're good you if you can eat. finish them all you're yeah, good i eat way more than that um i can eat more sushi than that too so i'm skeptical of all you can eat anything typically yes yeah. i gotta be in the right mental and physical space to do it and I feel like there's times I've gone and done the all-you-can-eat thing and not been in that space, and, and I felt that's ripped off. Well, yeah, That's like when we went. I'll say this. Uh, yeah. 
the 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 Korean barbecue place that you went to doesn't maybe sound like it could be the best, but I'm sure it is better than uh, a taste of Belgium. That restaurant a sucked. Taste of Belgium. That was the, one of my. That least was the place favorite. you went to in, in Ohio after Danzig. It was remember? one of my least favorite dining experiences. Oh my! Of all time. And like yeah, like yeah, the waitress was like like all she was like goofed up or something. It took forever. It was expensive. The food wasn't very good. But I wanted to try a chain we didn't have in Rochester, and I was. And we're like, oh, Darby was I don't like, know what I expected. So all, it really was all Darby's fault because Darby was like, I need to get this sausage that you can't get. And then I was like, well, I'll get the, I'll get the hash that has a sausage in it. I swear to God. They, there was no sausage. There, it was like crumb. It was crumbled. Well, it was like hash. No, it was French fries. They gave, that's like what you potatoes? were mad about. You weren't, yeah. I remember you weren't mad about the lack of sausage. You were mad that the hash was like French fries. Yeah, that's what I was more mad Now, if you at. order hash with a specific sausage in it, I wouldn't expect a big heap in helping a sausage. It's hash, but they, they didn't give your potatoes. It wasn't, yeah, the it right was way. barely hash. It was, it was it probably got a couple of novices working back the, there. The waffle was like whatever, and it was like too expensive for a waffle. Waffles waffles are a fucking dirt cheap. They probably make like, probably cost yeah. them literally well, five cents to make a Remember, waffle. this place also had the, the bogus... Uh, 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 sh- uh, food shortage uh, fee. That was right. crazy. Oh, yeah. yeah, they charge a surcharge on everybody's meal because of Brandon fucking up the supply chain or whatever. And it's like Joey Brandon. It's like it, it's such a sneaky way to avoid actually raising the prices on the menu. Yeah. In contrast to, I went to a great. There's an awesome, awesome Chinese place in Buffalo called Home Taste, best Chinese food Ooh. I've ever had. And they went by hand and put little tiny stickers over all the prices with higher numbers on them. That's honest. That's not a surcharge. Yeah. That's you know. But yeah, then so we got we got that. We had a good time. Friday, Saturday, um, I made dinner. I made German potato salad, cauliflower, and I uh, marinated some chicken. It was delicious. I had good ass food today. What'd you get? I went. So you guys might have seen the flyer around the house. I there's this like Turkish grocery store in one of the suburbs here in Henrietta called the International Food Market. Cool place. Big. Lots of stuff. By the, like, at the checkout there, they had these little flyers for something called the International Food Festival. It just had a bunch of pictures of shawarma and shit on it. Oh, yeah. It looked good. A date and a time. Yeah. Those pictures are stock photos. But, but and it had a date and a time, and it said it was at this mosque in, in, here. And, like, I wasn't sure if I should go. I was kind of thinking, like, I am not a man of the faith. I will see. But I went by there today. Um, Darby got a uh, Donair sandwich that was pretty disappointing because it had no... She didn't like the meat because she said it tasted too lamby. I like lamb, so the meat I thought was fine, but there's no sauce on it. It didn't have any of the like yeah, that doesn't white help. sauce or anything. Now she doesn't like. Does she not like that Vaughn song? Which one? Lamb. Is that a Vaughn song? Oh, the fuck. <laughs> the black metal band. Black metal band. <laughs> it's fucked up that I was thinking I King like Vaughn. That See, like that's what I thought he meant too. too. Yeah. Like I thought you were talking about Vaughn <laughs> King Vaughn. <laughs> He's slaughtering his ops like lambs. Yeah, he should have done a yeah. song like that. Oh, could man. have been. But on the other hand, we got and I was stoked to even. This is kind of what I was hoping there to get. They had so it was broken up by like which uh, Islamic culture they all kind of were representing themselves. So there was like Turkish food and then a Pakistani food and there was Bosnian food and I saw they had chivapi, which I've had in three other cities before, but they don't have it in Rochester. Okay. It's like these little sausages. They're like pretty wide, but only about an inch long. Just straight up like beef, just fatty beef sausages. It's on a pita with some sour cream. There's like this special Bosnian sour cream. They didn't have it today, but usually they have it. And then straight up raw white onions. Got to be raw. And they had that there. 
and I got it, and it was the best chivapi I've ever had. And wow. she she really liked it too. If you if you like, if you're not totally addicted to having a shit ton of seasonings on your food, it's great because it just tastes like grease and char because you cook it on like an open flame or with charcoal. So some I, somebody in Rochester needs to sell that at a restaurant. I do like I do like some. So that sounds fucking delicious. Chivapi is good, especially if this was I think better than when I've gotten it at restaurants because it was cooked up on straight up like on a grill outside. Uh-huh. And that's how you're supposed to do it. That's like food they'd make over a fucking fire in Bosnia or whatever. Yeah. So that was cool. And that this weekend it was good. I you know I took it easy. I went out for a little bit last night, but mostly was. Uh, Doing our show prep, uh, watching television, and um, doing a little bit of reading, but mostly watching television to prepare for our uh, both part one and part two of our coverage of the the television show Pistol. What I didn't watch, I wanted to go see that new Cronenberg movie, Crimes of the Future. Oh, you didn't see it? It looked looked good. I bought a ticket, and I was going to go at the 1045 showing, because apparently that's all they're going to do at uh, one Cinemark. And when I go there, I was like, I dropped Kiara off for work, and I was like, oh, man, I got to take a shit. Well, I was like, by the time I get there and by the time I take a shit, the the trailers will probably be mostly done. It'll be done. Nope, of course, I run into somehow a traffic jam. Oh, god damn, dude. What, and I was just like, what the fuck is this bullshit? Like, so I was like 15 minutes late to the movie, and I was just like, well, I'm just going to go home. Like, I'm not gonna because it's like I gotta take a shit. I'm just gonna be like 10, 15 more minutes until I see it. I'm gonna miss like some of the movie. I think I want to go see it with Connor or something like that sometime this week. But like, that's only showing at like the little now for the most part, which sucks. As opposed to like Captain Dingo and Professor Marvel, the which new I'll Jurassic be for next Park six months. Movie. Yeah, oh yeah, the new Jurassic Park. Yeah, I need a new Who Jurassic Park. My boy, man, Those, I really the mainstream movie shit is just like I. So do not give a fuck yeah. about like yeah. Dude, so boring. It's all like baby so fucking shit. Yeah, like, like, I, I do not. Care. I was going through. It's like the only like adult movies looks like everything everywhere all at once, which is probably going to stop showing next week, which looks awesome, and I want to I wanted to see it. Um, uh, Black Phone or Black Mask or something like that. Dude, I want to I want to see Black Phone e- actually. Yeah, that looks the awesome. Ethan Hawke movie that looks fucking. It sick. looks scary. Yeah. Um, and there's like a couple, but most of it is just like. The minions uh, go to Marvel to go on the Jurassic Theater p- Park. D- d- Jurassic Park Theater. Fuck you. Fuck off. Like I don't give a shit. Like I feel like when we were growing up, there was so much more shit that was designated for like older or like PG thirteen yeah. and up. Like I don't know. Maybe I'm wrong. Maybe my thing is skewed. Like I like I, I like and I like some Marvel stuff. I like that new Doctor Strange movie. I thought it was cool, but it's like. I, I just I just there's too much shit. I just don't give a fuck. I don't need to see legacy fucking sequel bullshit right, anymore. Right, like like Jurassic, like Jurassic Park, Park or Park. Star Wars Who gives or a whatever shit? the fuck. Yeah, dude, this is it. You know what it's like. Uh, we're like culturally malnourished. Yeah, it it you know if your body is deprived of certain nutrients, like you start to feel like shit all the time, and you like even if you don't know what's wrong, you know something's wrong. It's the same way emotionally. This is like something you learn in therapy. You know. There's human needs for certain things, validation, intimacy, etc. And like we we are in the Britain 1970s point. Yeah, culturally, yeah, we are totally it's deprived. Terrible. It's fine. I would I would say, like how the all the movies, you know, originality in in Hollywood, it's pretty vacant. 
wouldn't you say? It is. Epic transition, yes. Yeah, that's a good transition. Into the fourth episode. Of Pistol. We already already covered the first three on part one. Yeah. Um, Pretty vacant is this episode's title. And honestly, this episode left me feeling pretty vacant. A tad vacant. I, I tuned out in this one a little bit. Yeah, easily um, the most, like, just not really a whole lot this of... Is, this is the only part where they go out of the, out of Pistol's land a little bit oh, in actually, this show. That part was cool, where they're, like, up north in England. That that part yeah. was, could have been a lot cooler, though. Like, so one of the things they cover that did happen was the Pistols going and touring northern England. They went on an English tour, which, I, I, again, I don't even think they touched on... All the McLaren chicanery with that, and him no. him basically sabotaging their tour because it was better publicity if the band had a tour that got canceled. Um, yes, and, and like they booked ten days, and I think they played one, and it's a famous story. Also, the Clash and the Damned and the Johnny Thunders and the Heartbreakers, who came from fucking New York City, were supposed to go with them, and the whole thing got torpedoed because I don't know McLaren couldn't help but get them all this bad publicity. They show these two little girls in Huddersfield or wherever the fuck in Northern England, and they like want to be punks, and they meet Vivian Westwood at some point, and she like that was kind of cool when she's explaining her philosophy on because uh, I never thought of it this way because I guess why would I explaining all the bondage gear and what it means, the significance of it. She's talking about women having to wear corsets and being kept in bondage in society, and she's like. Yeah, that's like the mechanics of the like fake sexuality that we're forced into for men and but if you wear it on the outside, then it's exposed and it's not sexy anymore. And that that, you know, it's it is, you know Oh, it's like in the second episode where that girl Jordan has like the clear plastic yeah, yeah. jacket on and you can see her tids. Her fat yobs. You can see yeah. her big old yobbies. <laughs> That was uh, of the, like, they tried to broach the topic of sexism a few times in this series uh, with varying degrees of success. Vivian explaining her philosophy on the fashion was pretty cool. That was in- insightful. Um, they I don't remember which episode, but they, they touch on with because uh, Chrissy Hind is pissed off. That Steve Jones got a job in the Sex Pistols and she can't be in a band. And right, she sees it as like kind of sexist. Yeah, yeah. And that was again a point worth making, but the ham-fisted dialogue didn't really handle it as well as as it could have. Could have been more natural. Um, yeah. It's described kind of brutally in Jonesy's book where he talks about it. I'll read a quick passage of that. I was definitely guilty of not taking Chrissy Hines seriously as a musician. She'd be going on about wanting to be in a band, and I'd be like, quote. Yeah, whatever. Suck this. She tried out for most of the new punk bands that were getting started at the time, but the harsh truth was that no one wanted her because she was a girl. Chrissy had the last laugh on that one by having a load of massive hits with the Pretenders. And in the end, people like her and Susie and the, and the Slits and the Runaways and Gay Advert, who was hot at the time, <laughs> did do a lot to open things up, so people didn't think it was weird for chicks to be in bands anymore. Um... Yeah, crate, crate. I mean, yeah, brut, brutal. Again, it's it's like the impact of it is kind of dulled by the cheesy dialogue on the show. It yeah. is brutal to think about, like, just being that girl. And, like, there's, like, fashion designers or women, but the guys in the bands you like are literally just, like, can you can you give me head? Can you give me brain surgery? And, and, and the, then these yeah. guys can also, like, barely play what they're doing. Yes, exactly. And Which, it, yeah. We will right, find Sid later. Vicious, you know. One, one contrast he draws in the book that, is t- hinted at in the in the sh- show is like obviously he was 
he didn't see himself as a sex addict at the time, but he was. But in contrast, like Johnny Rotten, even as a, and this is incredible for a, you know, 19 year old, 20 year old, whatever, was always just like sex, no big deal. Didn't care about sex. Yeah, that really did remarkable. come across in the show. Like, I don't think they ever really, like, when that girl Pauline is, like, trying to get with them, yeah. he seems very just like, eh. No, he, he didn't get it. He's one of those people, man. You even see in how Johnny Rotten performs. He's a very asexual rock front man. Yeah. Which I think was one of the. Right, he doesn't really gyrate his hips no, and his pelvis no, no. and all that shit. And I'm not saying he's asexual as an actually, but, like. He yeah he's not his like, his act his presence yeah. is is and and, that and how he views revolutionary his art at the time like yeah what his art is for uh, good for him yeah I think Honestly. he love this I love to see it I like stuff like that the idea that like music is always just like I feel like a lot of younger kids now look at music as like a way to be like popular as opposed to like actual oh like they have something they want to say or, or do like. Yeah, just it feels good to make music. Like, it scratches yeah. an itch. Like, I feel like more people, like... I, I saw this on Twitter. Some was like, ah, oh, geez, like, gotta have pub- uh, publicity for, like, gotta have, like, people talking about a band's demo. Like, people, like, not publicity, but you know what I mean? Like... Like a little... top. Yeah, right, like people talking about it's it. It's like, ah, oh, geez, like, can't you just, like, do a demo and play ba- play shows? You know what I mean? And it's like, no, I, it's like, I don't think these kids can. I don't think younger people get younger than like 25. Like, don't know how to go about don't it. Don't know how that yeah. goes. They don't get like the idea of like playing in a band for like 10 of your friends. That's well, certainly yeah. relevant to uh, this show, given the sort of the tension that's described on the or portrayed in the show and that Jonesy gets into detail with it, the book between like his you have sort of his mindset of he just fucking likes playing guitar in this rock band. You have John Lydon who kind of has some principles, but he's very young and hasn't sorted them out yet. And then Malcolm McLaren, who kind of has principles and goals, but also is like obsessed with publicity and manipulating the media and does not really see these guys as human beings. Uh, truly. Um, also, uh, well, going along with the uh, just looking cool theme in this episode, uh, Glenn Matlock is finally kicked out. Ah, yes, and replaced with Sid Vicious. Point. Yeah, because of how he looked. Right, because yeah. I think Steve was it Steve or was it Johnny Rotten who was like, "You're too obsessed with Paul McCartney and dressing up like him." Or they, they both were on Matlock about the Beatles thing, which yeah. has always been the official story is that. Uh, he got kicked out for liking the Beatles, and and he in real life this went down a little differently on the show, and this is actually a big plot point on the show. Like McLaren, like basically forces Steve Jones to click kick Glenn Matlock out, and sort of that becomes like is sort of held over his head later. In real life, like he was, they were already rehearsing with Sid because they were all kind of thinking about it, and he was already working on putting together the Rich Kids as next band. He didn't really. Want to be in this band anymore? All he the like craziness, left, right? It was like an a, "you're fired, I quit" scenario, and McLaren was okay. the one who fired him. Not um, oh wow, yeah. It, it, so it th- was an it's like an inevitable thing. It was going to happen. Regardless. Yes, there is some the writing was on the wall. Yeah, there's some underlying truth to it. I think the way they portray it on the show, because it is like Steve Jones was kind of going along with all this crazy publicity and the stuff with. Uh, 
Bill Grundy and everything. When does that happen? Is this this oh, episode? Oh, that's this episode, yep, right? That's this episode. Yeah, that was yeah. also one of the that, that's the most memorable. Yeah, I mean, just I mean, because I as a you know fan of the Sox Pistols, that's like one of the funniest things they ever did. I think. Yes, yes. For for those who don't know, and I, I think most of our listeners were, but will, but maybe some younger people don't. Uh, big moment for the Sex Pistols was they got asked to appear on the Bill Grundy program. This fucking guy who was known for apparently it looks like he would get sloshed and uh, do the news on TV. He's a drunk English piece of shit with a talk show. He, he would also uh, be creepy sucks. to uh, uh, women. Yeah, Susie Sue in this case. And uh, they got interviewed by him and he's kind of being a prick to them. And Johnny Rot. So this is. You could do a play-by-play of the swearing on TV that made everyone in England think the is sky was falling. V- broadcast of this? Can we watch? Oh this? yeah, it's yeah, on YouTube. Can, yeah. The real thing. Yeah. The real thing. Oh yeah. Wow. He he like. Is it like pretty much verbatim what they do? Yeah, they, they got close. it right. Yeah. yeah, Johnny Rotten says shit under his breath, and then like he's like, "What was that?" Yeah, Grandi's like, "Repeat, repeat the the rude word." And then Steve gets fed up with him and is like, like "You dirty, dirty bastard! You dirty bastard! You dirty fucker! You're a dirty old man! You're a dirty rotter! What a fucking rotter!" And <laughs> it fucking like created such a panic. The way Steve describes it in his book is, it's like on Star Trek when they go into warp speed. Like all of a sudden, and that's kind of how they portray it on the show. Like all of a sudden, everyone knew them. They were public enemy number one. People oh, are trying to attack them in public. And like, they do show the effects like immediately. Like they're still in the studio and like their complaint room is getting lit up with phone calls probably from all over England. Which is crazy to think about people thinking yeah. that society is being destroyed because some guys swore on Because a guy yeah. said fuck, which I believe. And they also said it was the first time anybody had ever said fuck on uh, yeah, British Yeah, then Johnny Rotten, McLaren said, because, okay, for one thing, they because Malcolm McLaren has tried to claim that he, like, put them up to this to get publicity. In reality, everyone in the band agrees he was freaking the fuck out. He thought they ruined their career. And he says... Which I think they showed, too, on the yes, show. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, well, they show him, and he's like, no one's ever said fuck on British TV before. And Johnny Rotten's like, it's not true. It's the second time. Brandon and, Bean. Yeah, Brandon Bean, the Irish poet, said fuck ten times. and <laughs> To yeah. a reporter. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> but, um... Yeah, this I, I was this got me thinking because as an American, even I can't imagine even in 1977 that this kind of panic would be created by people swearing. No, I it. guess it, I mean, dude, think about like I guess I mean relative to our age when um, Janet Jackson Janet pulled Jackson. her titty out. Or like, like she didn't pull her titty no. out. Justin Timberlake pulled her Which titty out. Which he didn't mean to do that anyways, and it was she had to apologize, and it was like this crazy. Yeah, that was like, actually it, it bumped up the um, buffer time between like live broadcasts. Oh yeah, like right. this was real. Like there were real consequences and changes and well, shifts in like it is crazy because her like her actual tit wasn't even like her bared tit wasn't out. Like, she had a pasty on. Yeah, but it's like I mean, people still. were getting that offended by that. But still, I mean, that's crazy. That's wild. For, like, the Super yeah. Bowl. Even uh, even that was not, like, how people responded to the pistol swearing on TV. Well, there was no. definitely an overreaction this, to that. This was, oh, for sure. That was ridiculous. But at the same time, like, my parents and, like, our neighbors we were watching Super Bowl with, they mostly thought it was funny. I don't know. I remember but yeah, imagine, watching that. With, but imagine that times 10. That must have probably how it people were kicking their TVs in, like people were breaking their TVs, and like as they portray on the show, Johnny Rotten got attacked with a bot, like bottles and knives and shit over that, (laughs) yeah, which is crazy, Um, and that that sort of 
coincides with Sid joining the band. And it is like, I, I do think for Steve Jones, as someone who was kind of along for the ride and liked this publicity to an extent, but wasn't like a, a mastermind like Malcolm McLaren was, nor did he have the sort of um, mindset that Johnny Rotten did. It was a bit like making a deal with the devil because in his book, he makes it very clear like Grundy's show was like, this is kind of crazy, but I'm with it. And he was, says as soon as, in his words, from the minute Sid joined the band, nothing was ever normal again. Uh, and there's another quote from him. I get that it was great the way him and John looked together and the media frenzy certainly sold a lot of newspapers. But as far as I was concerned, that wasn't what the Sex Pistols were meant to be. I hadn't minded being second fiddle to John, but now I was playing third fiddle to this fucking idiot. Maybe even fourth if you want, went along with Malcolm's increasingly delusional certainty that we were all his puppets. Um, so it's getting to be a little bit too much chaos for... Uh, for him Steve. him at least and that's somewhat apparent on the show and very apparent in his book where again he he says that the highlight of the band was when before the grundy show when oh yeah when he didn't have to worry about probably you know getting attacked in public because it it fucking um it, it we've talked about this before with other bands and stuff before that sort of chaotic, and I, I swear they actually, t they, they see, he says something like this on the show, and he says in his book too, that sort of chaotic process of a thing becoming something is very exciting and very like creative and thrilling and magical. And then once it becomes what it is, it's dead. It's like a tree that stopped mm. growing. And I think Sid Vicious joining the Sex Pistols is really the moment where that process of, like it was all downhill from there. Yes, yes, yeah. Be because it's it's again you have this sort of ferment of that's kind of chaotic and like uncertain and that's super like exciting for an artist. And I mean, I think this was even at the period where Sid Vicious like wasn't a heroin addict, right? He was fucking around with heroin. He okay. the the part on the show, the Pistol Show, where he says his mom gave him heroin when he was fourteen. That's true. His mom was okay. a heroin addict who he did drugs with, so he had a <sighs> troubled Jeez. childhood as well. Um, she also gave him the dose that killed him, which really? is fucking, fucking dark. Yeah. Um, and this is pretty much the end of episode four. Yeah. That, that's, I mean, yeah, you, this is the With other Sid thing joining, is yeah. Yeah. Sid joins and also Vivian Westwood changes the name of the store from sex to seditionaries. She starts, she wants to make it less bondage, like more political, political and like military themed. There's a scene where Malcolm's putting holes in the ceiling, even though there's uh, oh, with the asbestos, asbestos yeah, in there. Yeah. Um, uh, yeah, yeah. So this is, this is I, the best. This episode is important because it's kind of the beginning of the end kind of thing. But it's also kind of where I tuned out from the whole thing, which a little bit they could have portrayed that sort of impending dread a little bit better yeah did they in this one or do they not get it to the next one how much time did they spend on I like sid not being able to play it really i think just it's the beginning of the first fifth episode yeah, yeah 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 let's take a quick break we'll get to the fifth episode after that yeah hey listeners it's me one of your hosts tyler hammer and i'm here to tell you about syrup head recordings they have a wide selection of stuff to choose from, not only on the label side, but the distro side too. Uh, very recently, they got some new pickups from Scapegoat, including the 7-inch and LP, Hatred Surge's Human Overdose LP, as well as the Left Overdose Flexi, and Iron Lung's Sexless No Sex LP. Uh, 
Those are some great fucking incredible releases. And I think if you are a fan of fast and heavy music, they absolutely belong on your record shelves if you do not already have them. So if you're missing one of those, pick it up. You can also check out what they have on the label side coming soon with uh, releases like Live on Long Island by Hit Run Drivers. Big shout out to Chad. As well as Beauty Meets the Maggots by Maggot Vomit Afterbirth. Uh, If you are a fan of Gore Grind, they hail from Austin, Texas, and even if you're just mildly interested in the genre, I, they're one of my favorite like newer bands, and I absolutely think you should check them out. Go to syruphead.storeenvy.com to check out what they have to offer. Find something that I just mentioned. Find something that you're familiar with. Pick up something that you've never heard of before. Maybe check out a link. You know, Maybe surprise yourself. I always like to do that. Find something I'm familiar with. You know, go with something I've never heard of before. Surprise myself. Wanted to also mention that on July 30th, in Bethpage, New York, Long Island, for those that probably don't know, Barely Breathing Fest will be happening. Uh, That is a fest presented by the 48th Cut, Baby Chico Records, and our sponsor, Syruphead Recordings. We have a myriad of bands that have been announced already, including Sulfuric Cautery, Moisturizer, Maggot Vomit Afterbirth, Hey, remember them? Mental Abortion, Charcuterie, Blemish, and Holy Grinder. July 30th at Mr. Beery's in Bethpage, New York. Check it out. It's going to be a fucking sick fest. Lineup is already loaded. What more can you ask for? Peace. Yeah, we're rolling on episode five of episode Pistol five. now. Now, I want to add some notes here. Um, the concert footage musical scenes were recorded live with no overdubbing or studio effects. That's what it sounded like. Wow. And the actors portraying the Sex Pistols and Chrissy Hind. What was it? Has Hind? Hind. Chrissy Hind. From Played Pretenders, their own yeah. instruments and sang for themselves. Yeah. It sounds like it. There's a little segment of her playing brass in pocket at one point on the show. Yeah, and it, yeah. That, it sounds like, yeah, like not. Since they were studio. neophytes, Slater, Cook, had experienced fronting bands but not drumming. They had to quickly become proficient. Wallace, Slater, and Chandler, uh, Jones, Cook, and Hind, had the benefit of meeting with their counterparts. Uh, Boone couldn't meet with Rotten due to the later's disavowal of the project, but he closely studied Rotten's stage friends in order to replicate it while performing, and he also read the books authored by Rotten. Jones also met with creator and writer Pierce to answer questions and get his input. Cook was actively involved in the series and gave his input as needed. So I think that's very cool. It's really funny because the way they portray Paul Cook is really funny and true to everything I've heard about him. What, that he was just like a very quiet... He's just like a kind of dull guy who was very loyal to Steve Jones as a friend and mm-hmm. did his thing and yeah, was reluctant. Yeah, he played with him a, a bunch after, the, after sex with Yeah, they were the professionals. I was going to yeah. say, it seems like he, was, he had a very diminished role... Paul Cook. Did yeah, this he, whole he thing. was the drummer, and he was Steve's friend. And he, I, di- I did read in Steve's book that he didn't quit his job until the Grundy thing happened because he, he was still kind of like, I might need to, I might need my apprenticeship, you know. Um, and then that's what did it because they were all of a sudden really fucking famous. Um, yeah. So this episode, and that that is, I could kind of tell that it was them playing live. It didn't sound overdubbed, and they yeah. did a pretty good job. Uh, the vocals were. You can't nail those vocals. You can't make it perfect. The stage presence, though, he kind of did fucking nail. That was a good acting. We start with this episode with them. I think they get. I don't know if they start with it, but they have they have a single. 
got they're going to have clean. a single. It's, going to it's, have a single. it's like a whole the process. And this is true to real life from what I understand. The process of them trying to make recorded music uh, was kind of a shit show, as you might imagine. Although God Save the Queen was the second single. I don't know if they talked about. No, they had them doing Anarchy in the UK on Old Grey Whistle yeah. Test or whatever. This is about them writing shows them writing this song to become God Save the Queen. And as covered in the episode, that was entitled No Future. That was Johnny mm-hmm. Rotten's title for it. Um, they're working on recording it. And he's and I don't, this is actually one of the few things where I don't know if it's true or not. I think it is. Johnny Rotten gets pissed off because they get the records and it's entitled God Save the Queen and he wanted it to be called No Future. Yeah. Malcolm changed the name. Which, yeah, Malcolm changed the name. In retrospect, completely the right choice. Yes, totally. Because it was um, time for the Queen's Jubilee, which just ended this year, by the way, folks. Yeah. They had a fucking hologram of her. Yeah. she uh, Doesn't sound good uh, for her. her. Um, and I believe in the beginning of this is when they're like kind of playing with Sid. They're showing Sid. Sid's really kind of upping the idea of being like, punk, I'm punk. Eh, it doesn't matter if I'm playing bass. And like Paul, yeah. uh, Steve is trying to show him stuff. They kind of already are like kind of tussling and fighting with each other to a degree. Yes. Uh, he gets into a lot of fights. They're establishing yeah. a few things about Sid Vicious. One, they make it very clear that he is dumb, which yep. everyone, including John Lydon, his friend, agrees, like, not the sharpest guy. They're establishing that he has a thing for violence. He seems to like losing fights. And the thing that sort of brought me to my big takeaway from this show, which we'll get at the end, like, he is very, very a true believer in mclaren's like uh party line about how it doesn't matter if you can't play and music doesn't matter and it's all about your attitude and how you look he is how a, you present yourself yes he is a fedayeen of the malcolm mclaren punk rock situationist philosophy whereas in contrast like johnny rotten i think had his own kind of agenda that was similar in some ways but different and steve jones and paul cook like playing in a rock and roll band. So that is the difference of perspective that is made clear immediately in this episode when fucking he's trying to teach him to play bass. And not only is he not getting it, but he doesn't care that he's not getting it because he doesn't think that it matters. Right. He's he's better off. Like uh, there's scenes, I believe in this episode where he carves himself up. Yes. Yes. Or it's either that this one or the next episode. But yeah, he carves himself up on stage with like, broken glass or a knife or something now this is yeah he does that i know when they get to the u.s tour and i think he does it here too um this is the episode where we meet nancy yes uh which as i brought up earlier uh i don't know what the actress's name is but she did a great job as the uh annoying uh shitty junkie who was uh ruining the band like you know in the yoko ono spot yeah yes and they even reference yoko ono i would say also nancy's dialogue in this is the most convincing and believable dialogue in the whole thing uh it's like grading it was grading very grading and for a little background and i actually will confess to not knowing really enough about her until somewhat recently um like many people everyone i know makes the assumption i thought she was older than sid she was 19 she died when she was 20 she was a kid as well uh, Nancy Spungen. She was born in Philadelphia uh, to a Jewish family and then moved to New York City where she was a groupie for like Aerosmith and Johnny Thunders and the Heartbreakers and the New York Dolls. Um, and then she ended up in London to fucking, she, I think, meet the punk rockers there. 
She was a prostitute, uh, drug addict, diagnosed with schizophrenia when she was a child, which is something that's often left out, and they don't really cover here either. I guess if it's from Jones's perspective, it. why would they? they, they she, she did does bring mention it, it Okay, yeah. yeah, yeah. He had a Steve. Yeah, yeah. Okay, oh, yeah, the scene with <laughs> with, with Steve. Yeah. Uh, the way they portray them meeting here was the pistols are playing, and this is like the concert sequence where they're playing, and like Chrissy Hyde and the people in the crowd are like, Holy shit, they sound really good. They sound powerful. Wow. And Nancy kind of floats in there and makes eye contact with Sid, and there's like a connection. Well, one of the, like, my favorite scenes in this is after that, when they're, she's in the van, they're, they're going to give her a ride, and she's <laughs> like, Yeah, Richard Hell and the Voidoids. So, therefore, whatsoever he had left the Heartbreakers, therefore, also the. Richard Hell and the Voidoids, and she won't... And Thereby like, inventing Pong. She, yeah, she's talking, and Steve Jones just has his head in his hands like he's in physical agony from listening to this person talk. And it's like, Oh, I mean, I know I would be. Bro, I've been there before. We're all been I there. We've all met it, a yeah. Punisher before. And sometimes yes. you have to, if your friend uh, getting laid is on the line, you got to just put your head in your hands and put up with it from time to time. But... It was a brutal scene. Oh, I thought you were going to talk about the funny, the other funny scene where she goes to Chrissy Hines' flat and uh, takes a huge shit. That's later, but that's also a great scene. The, Nancy was a, absolutely a highlight of this show. They they made her both appropriately annoying and terrible, and in certain moments you feel bad for her in a way that's appropriate as well. Yeah. Um. So this really the two big things in this episode are her being introduced and then. Them trying to do the album. And Sid can't even go because he has fucking yeah, they, hepatitis. Um, Sid gets in a fight with uh, someone from the old gray whistle test. He doesn't get in a F- fight so much as he assaults him. And this is one someone. This is one I had to confirm was true. I didn't know that. But yeah, him, it might have been a little different. It Bob might have been his Harris? Friend. Yeah, Bob Harris was a music presenter at the BBC for decades. And everybody loved him. Very soft-spoken, older guy. And then all of a sudden, because of punk rock, all these people hated him. And he had a just normal, soft-spoken British guy. And Sid Vicious, I'm not sure who hit him with a bottle, but Sid Vicious and some of his friends, punk rocker guys, saw him at a bar and as portrayed at the show, like glassed him because they were, he was ignoring them. He like hit them with a bottle, which is perfect. The show, this is one part where the show making it explicit was kind of appropriate. It is Sometimes it's good to both show and tell. Sid says to him straight up, stop ignoring me. I hate when people ignore me and then hits him with a bottle, which is fundamental to his character that he's stupid enough that he would just say that and yeah, he loves yes. attention. So they get dropped by A&M. Say we're going to be on they A&M. Get, yep. Yeah. And then they get approached by Richard Branson, who is like, I will put out god save the queen he's obama's friend he's obama's friend he's yeah. like i'm gonna meet this guy is it i got 30 this, years got to be a black president they're like what yeah what are he's you talking like, about nah, don't worry about that <laughs> what um, you he, told he him points about to Sid and be like you definitely don't gotta worry about that <laughs> um, <laughs> uh <laughs> why yeah, little do you know <laughs> you're you're not gonna have any uh, you're not gonna you know, know any and, of and this. guess what obama was uh, cast as richard branson it's very weird. Like, uh, yeah, I will put. Uh, out, I will record. Puzzle. Never mind a bullet uh, for you. So he's like, I will put this out, but this is this is a single for an album that I want you to do. Yes, yeah. Because he's like, Virgin had like a hit, but like we haven't had a hit recently. I think they were we also like by the Jubilee. Yeah, they were like right because I mean, what's the point of doing it if you're not going to have it ready for by the Jubilee? 
So they're like, let's do it. They're fucking running through. Fucking crush it. Crushing it. They're str- they, in the writing process, you see them struggle a little bit, though. I think this is the yeah. episode where, like, Steve kind of gives Johnny Rotten a pep talk. This was really corny, but it, it, it kind of... It, it when I let my guard down and let me enjoy how corny it is, I kind of like it. Like he, there's a part where he tells John like he's a genius or what. Steve says to him like, "I never used to listen to the words in songs, and now I do because of you." I, you know, I hate to say it, John, but you're a genius. Which yeah. I imagine is kind of how he felt. He was probably like, "This guy's a prick," but I think on some he's level, a good front man can't yeah, deny that. I think Steve Jones on some level must have known like this is what. And even in Filth and the Fury, I think he kind of says like. He gave us that X factor. Also, Malcolm McLaren did not. That was not where that came from. With what was their relationship outside of after the pistols? Were they friends? Those they two? Like, yeah. No, Johnny yeah, Rotten and just, Steve Jones have no. never liked each other since then. Oh, really? They did the reunion, but he. I mean, yeah. They've. I. I don't know what Johnny. Johnny Rotten, I don't think, has spoke on him that much. I think he basically said, like, yeah, he got manipulated by Malcolm, and it was sad. Steve Jones is kind of like, yeah, I don't like John. I just don't really like him. Don't like being around him. He hasn't like said he's a bad person. He's just like, don't, <laughs> he don't. Probably care just for thinks him. he's like annoying and shady. Yeah, yeah. he probably okay. thinks he's same thing he thought when he met him. Like this guy's, <laughs> right. this guy's weird, and I don't and like kind of annoying and kind of shady. I yeah. did watch yeah. some of the some of the reunion footage from '96 or whatever. It is pretty good. Like they sound good. That they do sound good in that footage, yeah. For like people in their forties, and like it's funny because they weren't old. they they were old. They weren't yeah. like actually old. Not you know like now. I mean? Not right. like now. That's the other thing with reading about this or watching it show. You got to keep in mind you are. It is there. They were children. I mean, they were, they were the oldest. They were 20. young, and um, this was also in the seventies. Oh, actually, speaking of another uh, another thing with the show that I feel like they kind of messed up on. Uh, Malcolm McLaren is supposed to be older than them in the show, but he looks way younger than like everybody. Oh, he looks like yeah. Review Bra. He, he does. does. He doesn't, he but does. it's funny to say that. The report yeah, of the week. Have, he looks like have, the report of the week. Could have aged him up a little bit, possibly. Yeah, get or, some yeah. of that like that Robert De Niro makeup. He's a good on him. actor. He's a good actor. He huh? is, and especially as Vivian Westwood kind of does look appropriately older. Yeah, so she it's did, it's yeah. like oh he's dating an older woman I guess not that yeah. she looks that much older she's, she's older she than is older than him I think well she had two really? kids okay, with somebody sense. else she's so like, she must she's be. still yeah, alive yeah, yeah. Uh, he's Malcolm not McLaren he yeah. died he's twelve not, years yeah. ago yeah um but she was she is eighty one right now damn really she's wow still, that's like, crazy doing stuff I think which means that she must have been in her probably she was like her mid thirties yeah okay so and he was that was forty five years the Sex Pistols were done he was thirty. Malcolm McLaren, he says that's like I'm 30 years old. Okay, I see. There um, is I forgot about this. This was an earlier episode. There is a, a kind of cool scene where um, Johnny Rotten is taking her to task about the swastika T-shirts they have. Yeah. She's like explaining the philosophy of tearing down old generations or whatever, and like and flipping it, flipping the script, flipping the script, and how we have to tear it all down so something better can emerge from the chaos, which ironically is a very fascist way to view things. Although I'm sure they didn't know that. Um, he says, I think all he really says is, I think there's a few million Jewish people who wouldn't care for those shirts. Some Jews that wouldn't like that. Yeah, th- but right, because they were trying to be like, well, like we made the the swastika pink and the like the Nazis would hate that. Because of gay people. It's like, yeah. well, they're not here right now and all these other yeah. people are. Her, her, her other excuse is <laughs> Poor that, justification. Yeah. Her other justification is that Malcolm McLaren is Jewish, which I had to, you know, I had to look that up. It checks out. 
but I hadn't read about it. It's, it's kind of weird, dude. His fucking like yeah, he's like Spanish, right? Well, he's he's his grandmother or great grandmother was uh, yes, she was Sephardic and she was like a diamond dealer. But he wasn't raised by his parents; he was raised by her. So he grew up in a Sephardic Jewish community. Huh. But it yeah, of course diamond dealers of course the guy had a fucking weird upbringing like he's <laughs> yeah. a weirdo yeah. like you do not develop a mind like that from neither from having like a shitty upbringing like steve jones did nor from having a normal one you from have like to have a, a dad who works at a sawmill and a yeah mom yeah like 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 cook stay at home yeah. yeah you have to have a comfortable but strange upbringing to end up being the way that yeah. malcolm mclaren is yeah and that probably was weird to, yeah. So Sid Sid Vicious, they're recording the album. Sid Vicious, uh, he's in, laid in up show, in a hospital. He's bed. laid up in a hospital with hepatitis, and uh, Nancy goes to sex or what is it called now? Um, oh, seditionaries. Seditionaries. Yeah. This is it, another Vivian. The and good, Vivian's yeah. like, who? What the fuck? Like, who's there? Who's there with him right the fuck now? And she's just like, uh, uh, whatever. I don't know. Yeah, no, it's, it, this was good dialogue. This was like a boom kind of moment because she's like. Look, I didn't introduce him to heroin. That was his mother. And, like, he got hepatitis because he's very unhygienic. Probably got that from his mother, too. And then Vivian's like, who's with Sydney right now? Who gives a shit about him right now? And she says, oh, I don't know. I'm not his mother. <laughs> yeah, it kind of makes you feel Rimshot. bad for Sid because it's like, oh, you have this person. You're in love with this person that, like, yeah, when like, you're in the hospital with hepatitis, missing a crucial moment in the band that you're in, like, time she's just like eh, I, don't, I don't know who gives a fuck yeah like that sucks but chrissy goes and says hello she does yeah this is funny yeah um and ben records the album it's well, going up the charts chrissy cru cr crucially like and yeah. this is i would assume fictionalized but it's very believable gets like because she's trying to tell him, like, this girl doesn't give a fuck about you. Yeah. Like, and, and then it, also he's trying to fuck Chrissy Hind anyway. But he, like, she he has her get this list of, like, the top ten things. He wrote down top ten things I love about Nancy. And it's, like, one, beautiful. Two, sexy. Three, pretty feet. Four, great conversation. <laughs> And like, sim I Has, wish I had the list. Knows the most fab yeah. clothes. Yeah, fab taste and clothing. I know sexy feet is on there twice. Yeah, like it's all completely er, no, shallow it's, things. I think the first, it said it was like sexy figure, and no, then it, at the end it's like sexy feet. Because remember, she's like. Chrissy Hines like reading. She's like, "Oh, I knew there was something about feet." Um, no, I think yeah. it, it was like three was great figure, four was even her feet look good, and then number like nine was sexy feet. <laughs> They do mention that she took his virginity, which I I tried to research that because it seemed hard to believe, but I believe that's true. That was the only wow. girlfriend he ever had. Well, and, right, uh, think about it. Back in makes it, sense. Back then, like right, like I doubt there was many like you know British women who were like, oh yeah, I want to get with this scumbag. It's crazy you know? that he shot up heroin before he had sex. That's like depressing as fuck. Yeah. Um, yeah. But yeah, he kind of so, makes sense how he acted around with her then, you know. Yeah, he was like a little kid. I mean, that was the yeah. first and only love of his life. I mean, this is like another big takeaway from Ed from the show is one of several. It really for me this came down to, and this is if I wasn't like acquainted with the material, maybe this wouldn't be my takeaway. My takeaway from the show is the contrast between Steve and Sid because they are both people who, by many estimations, 
never had a shot. There's no shot with these guys. They were like one thing right. that keeps coming up with Steve and McLaren kind of manipulatively reminds yeah, him of. He is, wouldn't have anything if it wasn't for me. Yeah, he would have been a cat burglar and gone to prison if he didn't do rock yeah. and roll. And Sid, I mean, shit, he did go to prison in like the first episode, didn't he? He almost he going did. To. Yeah, yeah. He so he was not supposed to be anything, and he's carried that with it him probably his whole life. Sid, I've always my impression of Sid Vicious is it's sad because like this guy never had a chance. He fucking his mother. There's his mother for one, and for two, he's stupid. Like he's stupid, and he loves attention, and he probably would have been a fuck up anyway. But he was in exactly the wrong place at the wrong time yeah. to get given exactly what he wanted, which led to him dying. <laughs> Not a good combo, right? The whole like being stupid, but also like loving to be the yeah. center of attention. And the difference is like. fucking Steve Jones through like a very unlikely series of events discovered that he likes playing guitar and is a fucking good guitar player and it gave him some fucking like actual substantive no bullshit purpose in his life and for all the fuck ups he had and there were a lot of problems after the Sex Pistols that was able he fucking worked at that and it carried him to where he is now he's fucking still alive he's got a bunch of money he has a cool radio show Sid Vicious like Cause it was he, he all he it's it's like the being malnourished thing, dude. All he had to sort of feed on was Malcolm McLaren bullshit, and that can't sustain a person. And by by accounts, all accounts of people who knew him, and they show this on the show too. Like after he met that fucking girl, he didn't even really like playing in the band anymore. All he cared about was doing heroin and being with this awful girl. And it's fucking sad because he really never had a chance. Steve Jones had a long shot, and he managed to get it. Yeah. And it's it's Sid Vicious like there was no fucking way that's that guy was he was kind of do kind of seemed like a, a, a doomed us from the start, you know, and we like to romanticize like doomed people because I think we tend to think about like the smarter, talented like, what, ones. What could have been? Yeah. Maybe. Yeah. And it's like I, he was not going to do much else is the sad no. after the that's sex. The pistol, like if he hadn't died after the sex pistols broke up. Oh, yeah, I, I can't imagine him like doing very much. I do, I do like the idea of like, oh man, you know, if Jimi Hendrix is alive right now, you know, he's like be, doing like, like Toyota, it's the like, music no, for Toyota he commercials. Probably just died like ten. He, he would have died twenty years ago from like lung cancer or something like that. I think Hendrix <laughs> Hendrix had a few other more good albums in him. I think. Yeah, oh, maybe. yeah, absolutely. He could have. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. Jim Morrison. I do, I do so like much. the idea no. of just like. An alternate world where, like, they didn't die when they died, but they just died, like, two years later from something <laughs> stupid. Like a, like a car accident. Like, slipping <laughs> on an ice cube. Like, they fell on ice. <laughs> Jim Morrison, like, falls into a lake of ice. Imagine the, be- the like, beautiful uh, rock and roll future we could have had if Lou Reed died 30 years Before. earlier. <laughs> yeah, and Sid Vicious <laughs> lived 30 years later. And he no, got to make Lou Lou. And he... Dude, see that like to see that guy to see that guy like at age fifty, that would probably be terrible. He was twenty one, right? Yeah. Yeah, and when he arrived in New York City, we're not to this point in the series yet, but like on a true like real life note, when Sid had arrived to New York City after the breakup of the Sex Pistols, like a doctor told him at that point, twenty one years old, you need to stop drinking or you're gonna die. Not even the heroin, like just from booze his body was giving out. So we what we find is that they're like everyone is like we need to get rid of Nancy. Yeah. So come up um, with a, like a convoluted kind of plot. Yeah, to uh, dispose now, of her. John J- Rotten doesn't think that 
that like the plot they come up with. Their idea is to like drug her, ki- <laughs> uh, kidnap her, and send her off like, her way put back her on to a plane the United without, States. Yeah, yeah. Johnny Rotten and Chrissy Hind are like that. Uh, no. That's illegal. Well, Chrissy Hind is like that's illegal and it's too fucked up. And Johnny Rotten, because he's friends with Sid Vicious, is not comfortable with betraying his trust in that way. So they end up. They end I up think Johnny Ryan like understands that like yeah, this person probably isn't good for her. For oh, him. It's, it's clear they all understand. But it's like, like this she's is a nightmare. Just not the way we should. be Yeah, doing yeah. It. So they end up dropping it, um, and then fucking he's. I think Sid is still in the hospital. Maybe. Yeah. At that point with hepatitis, because and that is true that he missed. no he OD'd again. He OD'd. oh he OD'd too. I'll go figure. Yeah. Oh yeah, I forgot about that. Yeah. Yeah, and and fucking he. The hepatitis shit is true. He missed most of the recording of the album because that he did. There's a he played bass on a couple tracks, but it's like it's like subterranean. They turned him way down, and Steve Jones played most of it. Which one kind of triumphant part of this episode is Steve in the studio because he loves it. He's doing all these guitar overdubs, and he played the bass. You could tell it's the first time he's like real, real proud of himself. But um. I, I like that sequence. Seeing him do the the like overdubs on submission and stuff that was sweet. Mm-hmm. And then uh, I believe after that they 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 receive their uh, the first shipment of their "God Save the Queen" singles. Yes, and and Rotten is, is pissed upset. about the changed yeah. name. Yeah. Um, prior to more of the "God Save the Queen" stuff. Apologies if it doesn't matter. Yeah, we, we're we kind of going. Might all be over getting the, the order place. fucked up, but whatever. This is people. If you want to know what happens on the show, they can watch it. They this get their singles, yeah. and then they all go to their each of their parents' house. To, yep. Yeah, that's okay. You're which right, is a pretty right, cool yeah. scene. Yeah, because uh, at one point, I don't know if it's. I think yeah. The thing is, this episode, um, Sid's acting like a, kind of a cunt, and like Johnny is like, if you don't fucking fuck off, you ain't gonna be you ain't gonna be allowed in my mom's house. You'd be banned. Just oh, pure banishment. That. Oh, that was yep. after the Grundy thing because all these reporters descended on the like squat they was were crashing in. Was that episode four in. then? I th- I'm not sure. I, I it's can't yeah, I think but it was. He, yeah, yeah, he's just like he's just like oh man, I like your mom. I love your mom. And he's like, yeah, my mom loves you too. <laughs> like yeah, yeah. They clearly had like Johnny's mom seemed to be pretty nice. Oh, that was scene was awesome. They like show them the record and they just then they have Irish accents which I can't really do, but I don't like, think the father did, but the mother definitely had. I think an it was Irish just accent. his mom, yeah, yeah. She's like, "Oh, it's it's not God save the queen. It's your own it's your own number." And I I think all she says about it is she like smiles. She's like, "Well, I'll put the kettle on for tea." Put the kettle. <laughs> well, on. They don't say much about it. I think she also says like no, God save the Queen's a better name because yeah, it stands like, out more than like, No Future. I want to call it No Future, and she's like, nah, it's a better song. That's, <laughs> That's true. She points better. that out, yeah. And then I think they go to Steve's house. Yeah, he didn't want to go there because he doesn't fuck with those people. And, and then like Sid his, was his like, stepdad yeah, we go. showed up and be like, you know, because I think he, he also sees like St- like Sid and, and uh, Johnny. They're like eating before their Before he cookies. sees Steve, yeah. yeah. And then he's like, what are you doing in my house? Yeah, John John Rotten gets in his face and shit, and uh, it's pretty fun. I don't remember what happens with Paul Cook's parents. I don't think not much. I think they just kind of like don't they just show up and they're like, oh yeah, cool. Yeah, they're yeah. like, oh, you're really making it. <laughs> they're like supportive I, of them. I don't think we ever met Sid's mom. No, no. they didn't. They I don't think they showed. No, up. actually, they, you know they, how they did it? They they go to all their other parents' houses, and then he's gonna go to his mom's house, but it's apparent that he's going there to get heroin. Oh and, right, and, and there and he tries to be like, we all went to your parents' houses. Why can't I go there? And like Johnny says something like, 
that shit's gonna fucking kill you like stop but he does right. i think that's when he ods actually oh right and he ends up back in the hospital yes right. that's correct that is correct um and then I think after that is... That's when they do the Jubilee, right? No, the Jubilee is a little later. After that is when they have the meeting about getting rid of Nancy, which is... I, I, I The factual basis of this is they did all agree... Chrissy Hind wasn't involved. That's fictional. But everyone... The, Malcolm and the rest of them agreed, like, we need to get rid of this girl. She's going to kill Sid, and we hate her, and she sucks. The actual plot that happened was McLaren had one of his assistants, like try to kind of con her slash cajole her into getting on a plane and going back to New York, but it didn't work. Um, on the show, they initially, like, scrapped the idea because, as we said, Chrissy Hind was like, that's illegal, you can't kidnap her, John doesn't want to do it to his friend. But then Nancy shows up at Chrissy Hind's flat looking to score dope off of her shitty music journalist boyfriend. And immediately she, like, stumbles into the house and is like, talking nonsense and is like nick said he could help me score and like chrissy hind almost is like she doesn't know what she's talking about and she's like you know smack gear horse skag. boy skag yeah yeah and then she then she rips like a fat turd she's like oh i gotta use your john and she starts taking a nasty you hear her fart and shit like, she's with like, the door wide open door wide open smoking a cigarette shitting on her toilet and then chrissy hind calls steve jones and is like if you want to kidnap her, do it now, because if you don't, I'm going to murder her. Like, you need to get her out of... <laughs> and then one of the best scenes in the series is after that. It's when she, like, she's bitching the Chrissy Hind about... She's like, where's Sid? He hasn't called me. He doesn't even love me. And he, she says something really sad, like... Because Chrissy Hind had, like, made her tea or something. She did something nice that a nice normal person from Ohio, like her, would do. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um. And and uh, what's her name? Nancy's like, how do you always do everything right? You just know what to do. You know, every time she's I like, s- you're in my bed, and it's like, how do you know? Because it's like, because it's my bed. Yeah, 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 yeah. You're always right. You're right. That is what it was. Yeah, but she's just so sad. She's like, um, every time I I always have to figure things out on my own, and then I still get it wrong. And then she's bitching about Sid, like not calling her and then Chrissy Hind reads her the 10 things she loves about her and she's like acting like a baby Nancy's like falling asleep like uh finish telling me the story I want to hear the story Sweet it's, the West it's of sad it. yeah then Steve Jones like gives her drugs and they shove her on a plane to New York and before she gets kicked out she like has some kind of tender moment with Chrissy Hind and that that's when it gets to the Jubilee. That's when they see the fucking boat with Richard Branson, which the guy they got to play him was kind of a dead ringer, which is not a total dead ringer, but he looked like Richard Branson. It was really funny. And then also at this point, they're like during the middle of the performance, uh, I believe Sid somehow ca- uh, sees Nancy, you know, uh, running, uh, you know, Along side by side with Thames. the boat. Yeah, yeah. This which is- I kind of I that's that. I doubt that was real. That had to be. Yeah. Oh no! They like I said, they never got her out of London. Right. Yeah. They couldn't right. get rid of her. Um, and yeah, they. From what you were telling us, they, the band themselves, never like were like. It wasn't Steve like doing it. It was like really no, was Malcolm's Ma- idea. Ma- Malcolm and all of them agreed she was awful, and they were like, "Yeah, if we can get her to go back to New York, that'd be great." But it didn't work. Um, for context, the Jubilee thing again. For people who are not familiar, there was an infamous thing they did where Malcolm. I, and on the show, he does this through Richard Branson. I don't know if that's what happened. Had rented 
a riverboat on the River Thames on the like main day of the Queen's Jubilee, and they like played "God Save the Queen" on the river. Um, there's video of this. It's iconic, of course. Crazy that they were doing shit like this. Some of this shit is really yeah, this, surreal to look that's back what's on. That's so cool. That actually about, like, happened. All of this, like that, is like sick. That's it's like so sick. Yeah, they. We should go to take a break. We're pretty much done with episode five, right? Well, yeah, yeah. I, th- I think it what ends with they do, they do show the incident of McLaren getting himself arrested at the end of the. Uh, oh right, by because he's like all the cops are like, he's calling you need to fascist stop. bastards yeah. or whatever, and like, you're a bunch of, of pigs. That. Yeah, exactly. I think that's that's mostly what happens in that one. It it really where it gets us is uh, showing Sid and Nancy deteriorating a bit. Yeah, and everyone sort of no- getting fed up with it, including Johnny Rotten being like. Does not like her, wants her gone, but also their album comes out, and it it also it covers, and this is actually something they toned down and de-dramatized. It shows that God Save the Queen was number one on the charts, but the radio wouldn't play it. Yeah, but they yeah because sh- there was like yeah. it went there was like number twelve that was number twelve number eleven God Save the Queen by the Sex Pistols and they just skip it and number ten and they play the number ten song they're just like man they didn't even like play the fucking song in in real life though because on the show they show like newspapers printing it at number one yeah in real life in England in the newspapers because they would print the pop charts every week it said when that went number one number one black box by black box they censored the name of the single in the band which is some of the wildest shit I've ever heard again as an American I can't imagine you can't you're never going to convince us that society is falling apart in America because we are not under the delusion that we live in a society America is based on the fantasy of the yeoman frontiersman who can just survive on the land on his own and doesn't need anybody so if if that's your starting point like you're never going to think that society's fabric is falling apart the worst We'll start to freak out if we feel personally threatened, but that's about it. In England, they thought they had a society. World War II was not that long before that, and so they guess they thought that band was going to tear the fabric of it apart so you couldn't print their fucking name. Imagine if you couldn't look up Lil Nas X on Spotify. That would be nuts. Yeah. That would be some shit. It'd be wild. But, like, you know. No, you can't really do that Nothing's really really like that that anymore. anymore. Yeah. So we're going to come back in a second and wrap this series up with episode six of Pistol. Hey, Jake Razor here to speak to all of you about our friend and sponsor, Shirley Road Records. Shirley Road just put out two new releases that uh, I was pretty stoked on when I took a look over on their website and gave it a listen as well. We got the Evil Beatles. Obviously, the band name is pretty good right off the bat. Uh, They're a psychedelic rock band from Greensboro, North Carolina. Not what I might have expected from Shirley Road, but with this label and Distro, you got to expect the unexpected because they have an eclectic, eclectic selection of stuff. Um, I'm also really into the Sleep Torture Carrying Water for Rats EP. This is like metallic hardcore kind of metalcore but the songwriting is there the riffs are catchy um bit like converge for me personally you know as a fan of modern life is war dangers that kind of stuff you know that's sort of modern hardcore when the songwriting is there i'm really into it and i thought that ep was really good uh shirley road also 
Did some trading with some other labels recently. Got a ton of stuff in the distro. He's got used stuff over on the website. There's an Offspring CD. There's a TLC CD. There's a lot of other stuff too, but I think everybody probably likes those groups a lot. So take a look for yourself and give it a listen too. Uh, go to ShirleyRoadRecords.com and also give at Shirley Road Records a follow on Instagram to keep up with all the latest releases, all the newest stuff getting into the distro because um, CJ over there is getting new stuff all the time. Uh, once again, ShirleyRoadRecords.com if you're looking for a place to start. And for all the fans of Heavier Fare, I know we've got a lot of you out there and Shirley Road has a lot to offer in that department. Um, there's a new demo release soon to be like a full proper release if I understand correctly uh, by S- Slug Salter another great band name uh, that's like grindcore but with sort of some screeching black metal influences I think a lot of our listeners would be really really into it so one more time shirleyroadrecords.com and at shirleyroadrecords on Instagram uh, go check it out you won't regret it he's got something for everybody over there all right, folks. So we are gonna conclude here. Well, we're gonna we're gonna talk about the final episode of Danny Boyle's Pistol series a bit, and we're gonna kind of, more importantly, I think, give our takes on the series and our takeaways from it, and maybe talk a little bit about. I'd be curious to know what you guys think about how people are gonna receive this, if at all. Um, the last episode covers, you know, as one would expect, the last kind of chapter in the Sex Pistols history, which is a very sordid one. It's a dark one. Dark, yeah. I do, th- I think, so me and Tim, have t- we've all talked about maybe the Chrissy thing not being very important and it shouldn't have been in there. I think it becomes very apparent with this episode because yeah, there it feels like near the end of it, everything is, ru- like there's a lot to talk about in this era and it feels yeah. so rushed. They go totally, on a full-ass yeah. U.S. tour. Um, that they only show I mean, f- like I, feel I don't like think it's even, not a full U.S. story. They, they, they yeah. played the ten, South. It's supposed to be ten days, and they 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 spend some time on it. But I mean, you can and one documentary filmmaker did. You could make a whole movie about just their U.S. tour because it was fucked. Um, yeah, the Chrissy Hine thing. I think, like I said, her main role is to sort of she chimes in again it's kind of like a greek chorus effect she's filling in some blanks it she's might, the american given you know that's coming part from the of it's cool i think they should have just had vivian westwood be like the voice of uh of like reason. the angel the angel on the shoulder yeah. for this whole thing the, voice the of guardian reason. angel yeah because she kind of did that too yeah um so this you know for the those yeah the fucking sex pistols uh last like thing they ever did was McLaren booked them on a U.S. tour in 1978 of only uh, southern U.S. states? Yes, besides to, like San Francisco, which was not it. what the band probably expected. And no. on the show, it's portrayed as they didn't expect that at all. Because and, and Malcolm McLaren puts it this way: he wants to create controversy. He wants there to be uh, like them being attacked. Yeah, you know, he wants them to be unwelcome to cr- to stir up fucking drama and controversy. And this is something they've been hinting at throughout the series. He, endearing though he may be in real life and on the show, like throughout the course of this series, you kind of like him less as you probably should. I would say, and this is like there's a scene where Johnny Rotten is confronting him about how people have been trying to kill him on this tour every night in fucking Tennessee and Oklahoma, wherever the fuck, and. Uh, 
it, it becomes very especially apparent then like that he doesn't really see them as human beings. Yeah. He can praise them to high heavens how great their performance is and call them sexy young assassins and whatever, but it is pretty fucked up the extent to which he just viewed them like pieces of clay. Very, very exploitative. Yeah, and when Sid enters the picture, it's like it makes it so clear again. And I could be talking about real life or about the show, like because he was so easily molded and because he was like a picture perfect, like the guy Malcolm would have wanted. It, and then, but then he's the guy who fucking dies, and it's like yep. that is uh, that's fucked up to think about. I don't know, it's like immediately to after about. too, or well, no, he well, died like what, like a year later in seventy eight. Yeah, like oh, not that, not that long after this tour. Right? I think it was seven, like late. Yeah. No, he died. In, it was early seventy nine. No, you're right. You're yeah. right. Actually, you're, because you're Nancy correct. died in October of. 78. Yeah, and that was like four months later that he died. Yeah. So they go on this tour. It ends, uh, you know. In San Francisco at the Winterland Concert Room. The, or they did a great job again with the concert footage in this part of them playing oh, yeah. in the South. They, they, that same, was awesome. Yeah. Same um, clothing that they're wearing in like all the footage. Like, they, they really got yeah, it. Yeah, they nailed right. the wardrobe. Yeah. Uh, this is. This is this episode I liked. It was probably the darkest one. I mean, you see Sid like withdrawing from heroin on tour, and they—that was true too. They didn't let him. They barred him from getting drugs or whatever, and that's why there's the famous picture of him with the the words "Give me a fix" carved into his chest, playing it fucking Randy's rodeo or whatever the fuck there. Randy's rodeo in San Antonio. Yeah, yeah, and they play their last show, and Rotten does the fucking you ever get the feeling you've been cheating yes yes yeah they end with no fun no fun perfect very good that first song they learn yeah right after i believe is when they do their little band meeting because before that at the sound check uh johnny gives steve the ultimatum like hey either i'm going or you're getting rid of malcolm what happened what happens is malcolm's there and is like all right you know they're like what the fuck is going on with this stupid fucking tour like, what the fuck was that bullshit? This is the first real place we played, like, real rock venue we played. And he's yeah. like, explains this whole thing, and he's like, we're going to, after this, we're going to... Oh, yeah, Rio, Rio de, de, Janeiro, de Janeiro to, like, to do a song with... um Robbie Briggs, Ronnie Briggs, or yes, whatever his name yes, is. Yes, Train the Robber. Train Robber, Australian, Australian? Right? No, no he's he British. Was from, but British. He, he was he known moved as, to Brazil. He was okay. known as the Great British Train Robber. Yeah, he was like infamous. He was a tabloid guy, and which and, yeah, uh, Johnny uh, is not too fond of. He did not want to work with that. Yeah, guy. he didn't want to work with him because he beat up a tr- a train driver or something. Um, he's like he beat with up brain someone. Damage. He, he left a, he a working him. class hero, a working class man with brain damage. He is no hero of the working class, like something like that. And he's like, yes, yeah. Johnny is like. Johnny and Sid are mad. Um, right, because Sid's like, he's mad at Malcolm about like the whole um, trying to get rid of Nancy thing. Yeah, because yeah. because Rotten blew him in for that. And it's very, very, that was like some Degrassi shit, that yeah. whole subplot. I didn't really need that in my life. but So Johnny and Steve meet up because they're pretty much uh, two of the more important members. So it's like, you know, there's the two sides, it seems. Johnny and then... The Steve well, Johnny side. and Sid, and then like Steve and Paul. Yeah, and yeah they but, seem to be more on Paul's side because they're like, "Yeah, it sounds like fun. Let's do something fun." And Johnny's like, "We we we cannot keep being like a freak show for this fucking for freak. This fucking yeah, freak. yeah, exactly. We can't yeah, keep doing this. Like, we will be a great band if we do not have them." Again, making Johnny come off as like a sympathetic character. 
Yeah, Johnny's. Oh, Johnny, as as it goes on, he beca- he looks smarter and smarter and smarter. It's like oh, he gets he, like more you are, uh, relatable each episode. Yeah, I think. it's like he, he is, was he uh, probably maybe in part because he was friends with Sid. Like he could see like yeah, his friend. Our fucking die. manager is like killing this guy and making T-shirts about it. Like what the fuck? Um, yeah. So Steve doesn't like at the end. He well, they decides ha- he played the show. You know, play the lab at Winterland in San Francisco. Yeah. yeah, Johnny says it's like it's either me or Malcolm. Like, and if it is, you have by tomorrow. And if it is, yeah, this I'm is our the last, last show we're ever doing. And then it gets to the next scene, the band meeting scene you reference. This is a dramatization. I've never heard of this meeting actually happen, and I'm pretty up on my Sex Pistols lore. I, and I know Jones didn't mention it in his book, but it, it, it's one of those things where it's a dramatization of something that was real, uh, rotten. He likes to say to this day, and maybe this is true, but uh, Steve Jones disagrees, that he broke the band up, that he did ever get the feeling you've been cheated thing with intention of quitting. Uh, Steve Jones says the reality is he wanted the band to keep going, but he absolutely would not work with Malcolm McLaren. So there's this scene where all of them are at the table and they're talking about this Ronnie Biggs bullshit and they're fighting. And uh, this is very cheesy dialogue, but it kind of worked here. Uh, McLaren's like... Well, John, Steve shared your concerns with me, and I think you're totally in the right. I understand. I think leaving would be the best thing for all of us. And then Rotten's like, who's leaving? Yeah. He's like, you're leaving. And then it, again, very Trump, very dramatic, but uh-huh. it sort of dawns on him like, oh, shit, Steve went behind my back and is having, I'm getting kicked out. And then to make yeah. matters worse, uh, John, he's like, oh, well, come on, Sid. Like, let's get out of here. And then Sid's like, Actually, I'm going to stay with the band because I'm going to be like the new singer now and I'm going to be in a movie. I'm going to be in a... He literally says like... He's like, why are you going with Malcolm? Yeah, Malcolm like, had, After what she did to Nancy. He's like, I want to be in a movie. And uh, it's very sad. This was after Steve Jones at, at some point already started snorting heroin with Sid and shit. So he's, you know, Oh, they made heroin. it. They made it out that he was like fucked up on heroin during this like band meeting. Yeah, he. he I think because they showed point? him, he was like snorting heroin with with Sid. Before. Yeah, I, I don't know if I think he might have not started doing that till after the band broke. No, I think it, even on tour he had done it before, yeah, he, and afterwards it got very very bad. So they all, and this is where it really comes back to, um, like McLaren, and this is played up in the show, but also real. Like he gave Steve everything he had. And he looks in that band meeting scene. It's it's like, oh shit, this guy is like, uh, seems obvious to state, but a seriously manipulative guy. Oh yeah, because yeah. I even mean, the word grooming has come up a lot lately. Like he was a groomer by definition mm-hmm. here, like a thousand percent. Right, because there's that part where Steve's like, why didn't you like try to protect us? And he, like that, and then Malcolm's all like. Oh, I was the one. You were getting out there, getting famous, and like I'm doing all the hard work, yeah, and I'm out in the is, trenches, and like well, all this that was, bullshit. That was after that was after Sid died. So, oh yeah, what right. happens is is that we go through a little. And this is my the thing that bugs me is that this neck this the is last, the like rush. half of yeah. it feels so rushed. Totally, like, you see Sid like singing on like a song. Oh, for my way, my way doing Nancy's my way for there, the great and, rock yeah. and roll swindle. Then you have. Like I think it, that like right after that it goes to him like he's like wakes up in the Chelsea Motel yeah, yeah. and like that's when he finds like Nancy, Nancy like all said. stabbed up that was a very disturbing scene I thought um, yeah I, it got kind of cheesy because he's reading his ten things I love about yeah her I thing. wish I wish they didn't if they didn't that. do that it could have been such a good moment to like 
give you a glimpse of the real and have this kind of cheesy thing get real fucking serious for a second, which it almost did. But then him reading the list of things he loves about her ruined it. Because while he's like trying to like, I don't know, clean up her blood in denial or about her yeah. being dead. Because what happened? Now what happened with this? Did she was she murdered in real life? Yeah. Well, oh man, we could do three yeah. more episodes picking that apart. People don't all agree. Um, it might not have been Sid. It could have been like a drug dealer. He, he was her. arrested for her murder and and but had not been charged. He was awaiting trial. Okay. Um, the different stories are that like. He, because his, so we'll start with the show and the show, the way it's portrayed is he wakes up and he's like remembering that he had argued with her because he was supposed to go cop for them and he didn't. Mm -hmm. And he's waking up. He's like, Nancy, I'm going to go get my methadone and I'll get you something. Sorry about last night. And he's like trying to talk to her and she's not responding. Then he finds her bloody body in the bathroom. Yeah. He, to the police, I believe did say that he didn't remember anything other than them getting in a fight. She had been stabbed, is how she died. With, like, a haunting knife, I think yes. they said. And there are people who believe that it was could have been a number of different drug dealers who had gone to their apartment. There's reports of things missing from their apartment before. Mm-hmm. Right. That could have been stolen. She could have just gotten robbed. There's some fucking stand-up comedian named Rockets Red Glare. Like, first name Rockets, last name, one word, Red Glare, who... Uh. People suspect might have done it because he was in and out of there giving them drugs. And he told his friends that he killed her. But also Howie Pyro, who's like a New York City punk fixture, said, yeah, he said he killed her. But that guy was full of shit. So you can't really believe him. So uh-huh. we'll probably never. It never went to trial. So at the end of the day, we will never know who killed Nancy. Huh. We don't know. Interesting. Um, but he died not long after that of a heroin overdose with heroin that he got from About his About four months yeah. later. Yeah. Now, how is that portrayed on the show? You had a bone to pick with this. It go. It literally. It, it felt like I missed something. It goes. Oh yeah. Oh, like right. The scene where Sid gets arrested. Yeah. We got, we got. We got Nancy's. But that that thing yeah, with him and yeah. Nancy. Sid gets arrested, body. and then they go to like the first Pretender show in England or something. Yeah. Well, Steve is there, and it's supposed to wrap up things with him and Chrissy, right? No, Steve isn't in that Steve scene at all. In that scene at oh, all. She, oh, you're right. You're it's right, just you're right. Chrissy, Chrissy with the Pretenders, and then like some she's guy. about to go on stage, and some dudes like, "Oh, sorry about uh, Sid." Sorry she's like, "What Sid. are you talking about?" And then the guy's like, oh, yeah, he OD'd. That was very cheesy. That was, again, yeah. some... And this whole like, thing is very... My girlfriend's going to like this show, even though she doesn't really care for this band because she likes the show Degrassi. And it really is. It just, <laughs> it's just like... I, I was like, that's it? Like, that? that's it? We don't... Yeah, like, we that's don't it? see, we, like, the do, scene where, we like, see... he overdoses. I mean, not that, you know, I don't know. Like, I guess we don't have to see that. it, but it's just, like, why don't we... See... Like, I don't need to see her doing her bullshit. Right, like, her crying I want to see her... That. Like, not even not even that. All the other shit. Like, we there, things could have been condensed and done differently. Or this could have been, like... There should have been ten regular episodes of something. Absolutely, absolutely. Like, or twelve yeah. regular episodes of something. I will cut them some slack and say it's supposed to be kind of from Steve's perspective and... What he, was he doing? He wasn't there. He was in fucking Rio. Like, it, he was in fucking Carnival. Then with, I want to. Oh, it it should have yeah. cut to that. Yeah. It should have cut to them being And then, in like, right, that, like, they're there, and then somebody's like, oh, yeah, like, Sid died. I mean, I don't know if he was there when he died, but it was. He, they were filming Rock and Roll Swindle. You know, I just felt like. Filming. So then it goes from there to, like,. They're at back at like what? I don't know where. Somewhere. somewhere. Or somewhere. Yeah, with and Malcolm, Malcolm has, like, and Steve. these shirts. These Sid Vicious shirts. This was a good scene, but yeah. And it says, she's... She's dead. I'm she's alive. She's dead. I'm alive. Uh, I'm, I'm yours. yours. I'm yours. And he's like, well, we can't use these Yeah, now, now. that he's dead, like, who, this doesn't work at he all. He sharpies it, uh, like, you know, to 
kind of like how John did with his Pink Floyd shirt. Yeah. To change it and like changes it to Steve, Weird Dad. Cross out I'm alive and then puts up yours. And you know Steve is pissed. He was frustrated because it's like yeah you should have. Yeah, I don't think he thought it was fun. No. We're like you fucking use this. He's like he I think at this point understands that like Malcolm never gave a fuck. Um, well, he even says, and this is some more like should have shown and not told shit. He's like, John was right. He says straight up. And like, there's some very good, bad dialogue there, too, where he's like, Malcolm's like, I'm the only reason anyone ever cared about you, Steve Jones. And Steve's like, but you were supposed to care about us, which is which he does not have an answer for yeah, really redacted dialogue. But it, it but it works. It works. It works. It I kind of like that. Yeah, maybe maybe upon analysis could have been different dialogue. But I, I do like that. Him is just like, yeah, you were supposed you were supposed to be invested in us. Yeah. But like now it's kind of flip. It like it flipped after a while. It, and it is shocking seeing. And again, this is fictional, but I don't think it's far off from McLaren's actual posture towards Sid Vicious. If you've seen Rock and Roll Swindle, you know what I mean. It, seeing him like literally just like trying to make T-shirts about this guy, and not in a like my dead homie, I'm gonna make a T-shirt for him kind of way. In a I'm gonna sell T-shirts kind of way. Uh, it's it's kind of shocking to see, and I agree with you. Yeah. The last episode felt really, really rushed, and I mean, I guess the suddenness of his his death maybe that's supposed to convey how Steve and all these other people would have felt. Oh yeah, that's true. It, yeah. it it could work on that level. That makes sense to me. I understand the the perspective of like glossing over the four months of him being strung out between Nancy dying and him dying. Yeah. But the way they handled it was clumsy, I agree. And it gets that T-shirt scene and then the scene after with Steve and John, it's like they go kind of surreal for a second. Yeah, because yeah. The, they, they do the scene from um, the rock and roll swindle where uh, it's uh, it's like where uh, Sid is singing My Way on the stage and then he like you know shoots all the people in the crowd. Yeah. They like kind of change it up to where like I think they make it like where Sid like shoots himself and then he's like, you're next now, Jonesy, and he's like. Well, they also him. throughout yeah. the thing will have things where it's supposed to be like Jones hallucinating or something, or like he's supposed work. to be high on heroin or yeah, something. Yeah, he's doing heroin by now, but it cuts to like, like instead, like right where they like you think like it's going to be the end, but like uh, then Johnny busts in at this place and is like, "What do you think you're doing with that needle?" We, well, yeah, it's it's Steve about to shoot up, sitting on the Sid My Way steps, which are a bit iconic, and then. Johnny walks in, and it's actually visually a good scene. I, I this kind of surrealist uh, approach they took at the or surrealist is a stretch, but this breaking, making it like openly unrealistic towards the end. Yeah, it's it's, it's a welcome change. It, yeah, it's a little bit of a stretch, but visually it works. It's it looks good. As do mo- this show looks good overall, and the two of them have a conversation where John's basically like, "You're gonna kill yourself with that stuff, whatever." Blah blah blah. They talk about. Malcolm and how they treated him like shit and then like he fucking like they get kind of mad at each other and then Johnny kind of walks off well, he's pissed like, off. They're going to they're going to remember us. Well, he's like you and I did some things together, Steve Jones. Yeah, and he's like, "Yeah, we'll always have Huddersfield." Yes. And then it uh the show ends with the uh going back to their Christmas Day gig, tour, which we've in, talked about on podcast before, yes. I believe. There's a good we documentary, did. a really about fun it, yeah. documentary, and it's a really sick gig because it 
They're doing like a. It was for like children and or like oh uh, uh it was for uh, striking are, firemen. Yes, that's what it was for their kids. Yeah, for their yeah, kids for kids, Christmas. Yeah. And like you know, you see like they're having a bunch. They're, have, they're just having fun and like. Sid at one point is like, I'm going to show these North people what the fuck these is North, up. These, these Northern, Northern cunts, cunts, how we fucking and do Johnny it. Johnny is like, these are, fuck, these, are fuck, these are the working class heroes. The children. No, are, the children. And, and we're the, the lone bright spot in their otherwise dismal Christmas. Yeah. It's like, oh, okay, I won't, no swear words. Cause, just because it's, it's Christmas. Yeah. And, and then it ends with them playing like no feelings. That was, yeah. that was a good ending because as I think I said when we talked about that concert, it is like that is the part of the Sex Pistols that gets even as a fan I lose track of is both the real human beings behind it and the fact that they weren't actually total shitheads and that like they were fun and like what they did was fun and it brought people a lot of happiness as corny as that's cornier than any dialogue on this show. Actually, that's not true, but that's like easy to lose track of with this band. And I think it got lost track of in this band's career and that's what kind of doomed them yeah and and it was a good note to end on in, oh, in I, that I regard i thought it was a good ending yeah 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 because that's a cool that's a cool little footnote and the band that you said is often forgotten and it's cool to have them like put it out put it up there um as like a finale like i i do think that it well as we talked about in the episode one the idea that this band is like people like the idiots that have no idea what they're talking about this band is like a boy band that's manufactured by the record the record label, which is like, first of all, record la- no record label wanted to touch them. Malcolm McLaren was part of like a scene writ large, you know. So it also having a manager was more normal back then. Yeah, exactly. Everyone had a manager. Totally also, normal. That anybody crazy now, but everyone had one then. Also, anybody complaining about that? It really is like I hope you don't listen to anything that's on like a major label right also, now. Also, here, how about this? How about this? Like Malcolm McLaren is like no different than like someone who runs like a venue. I guess I would say someone. We'll say like well, that, that's what maybe. he did. Well, he, like he did a lot. He did a lot more. Than like, that, but yeah. But like, imagine if if it's like you introduced me to someone, and then we started a band. Like, oh man, they introduced something like that. You know what I mean? It's because oh the, right, because like people trying members, to be like because you all have to be most friends. Of members, most of the members knew each other already. The only thing that was introduced to them by their previous manager was a new singer. Yeah, for the most part, you know, I mean, like, and like now here's the thing. Like, would they have gotten where they were without Malcolm McLaren? Maybe not. I would say I def- no. Def- probably not. I would say definitely not, but you can say that about anything that goes into anything, right? Like, I don't know if I would make it where I was if it wasn't for, like, the weather in Rochester. It doesn't mean I don't deserve yeah. any credit for anything. Like, it, exactly. it, it is what it is. Like, and I just one more quick note before we get into sort of a conclusion. I just want to say to all those people you're referring to, the more ridiculous thing I've seen is people straight up saying the Sex Pistols aren't a real punk band, which to me is exactly analogous and maybe coming from the same people who say this, totally analogous to people who say, oh, well, Joseph Stalin, that wasn't real communism. And like, I'm not saying that as anti-communist thing. I'm just saying... No, dude, you don't get to do that. You got to own it. You can say yeah, you can't pick and choose. You like can say that. you fucked up and you can say that you don't like the Sex Pistols or they did this or that yeah. wrong. But you don't get to say that it's not what it clearly, clearly it is. So, yeah, like it, anyone that says that that is like a fucking idiot. And like, oh, I think this is just going to definitely open up like 
way more like people who don't know anything about this band to be like, fuck them. I just, I hope it does. The, I really hope it does the opposite. I hope I it actually too. opens up and it's like, oh, this band is actually pretty sick. And like their story was cool is cooler than what I think I thought I knew it was. And that like the, they have, I mean, I don't know. They have fucking great songs. Like at the end yeah, of the day, like, Sex Pistols has, that's has the thing, great I songs. I don't like people trying to act like shit like, like, like uh, EMI or No Feelings or like. Uh, pretty vacant, like aren't good songs. It's like, yeah, uh, get that shit out of it's my. It's ironically face. the number one thing that gets lost is their music, which uh, McLaren loves. But it's like, no, dude, this is a kick-ass rock and roll band. Like, if nothing else, like the fucking yeah. shit rocks. Um, and I hope it does make people. Which honestly, I feel like people aren't down. Like people aren't cool. No, I, I hope we. I hope this show, which again we've said our feelings on the show, it's not great. It's well worth watching is what I would say. I thought it. it was I mean, I'd I say it was pretty good. It was good. I, I did like it. made in 2022 that I, I exceeded expectations. It exceeded my expectations. At the very least, it was like if you're a fan of punk or yeah, the Sex Pistols in general, like, I think it's absolutely worth if watching. You like, if you like things about music, like I thought like, dude, the live foot of them like, not like the live footage of Sex Pistols but like the live footage that they did, I thought that shit was awesome, like I thought they did a fucking killer job, the fact that they all like apparently played their fucking songs and sang, I think that's really fucking cool to like, kind of like push your actors to do that that also might be a reason why like they weren't able to do as much because it's like, what we are able to do is like, we are doing real, it's kind of like Mission like uh, with not mission uh, not Mission Impossible yeah it's Mission Impossible like all the Tom Cruise stuff like, he does Impossible. he does like real stunts so like yeah you are kind of maybe limited yes you might not be able to fly into the sun or something like that yeah like, I, I I hope the show provokes both good and bad takes it'll be an excuse for us to do more Sex Pistols content which I want to do anyway but I feel like it'll be more there. more bad than good takes it's huh? unfortunately probably a safe bet because yeah. um, again I, people don't get people don't get like the sex but i think a lot of people especially music journalists who i i will say music journalists if you are a music journalist you're the worst i hate you you always get well, they get everything wrong i'd say this maybe we can see anything. more cool new like original punk content where it's like maybe they can do a series about like um i mean the germs or like bad oh, they, brains they, black they, flag they made that good the movie misfits. about the, they made that good movie about the germs a few years ago we gotta cover that <laughs> Oh, are you being like are you being like sarcastic, right? Because I heard that movie was really bad. The movie is entertaining, but yeah, it's, it sucks ass. <laughs> it's so bad. I mean, I'd be down to watch it. Yeah, we we were gonna have to cover it. I just think people people nowadays have like really bad takes on like music as a whole. Oh, on everything. I think the yeah. everything. Yeah, I think I saw something. I was arguing with someone on Twitter about Black Sabbath. Like, yeah, Black Sabbath metal became metal was working class and all this other stuff and like. And it's like it's just like what? What the fuck are you like? D don't make what are you it talking? seem like Black Sabbath were like working class heroes or something like that. And, and like an image in the I can't exactly remember. It was something really fucking. I stupid. remember what you're talking about. We can't get into it right now, but it was stupid. It was very stupid. It's just like wait. So were they saying that they were or like they the, weren't? The, like an important aspect of Black Sabbath was that oh. they were working class. I think like, that's, no. I think that's just called them being English. I, yeah, you call I, that. I think that's I think that's more important. I think yeah. first off that we talked about this before and we can't Probably get into it now. Did. But I will say I. Uh, I think that's true, but not in the way that person meant. Um, yeah, I, th I probably would agree with what you're saying, and I do. It's, yeah, it is important, literally based upon like how that band existed. Same thing with like the Sex but like with any band, with like where they come from, kind of does matter. It matters, but like 
I don't know. It, it also kind of doesn't matter in the context of like, can you make good music? Right. Being right, working class yeah. does not equal good music. Just as like identity doesn't matter if you make good music, because like people make really bad music and are uh, in a minor are maybe minorities, and people also make really good music and are minority. It, it doesn't matter. Also, another thing, music is a hundred percent subjective. So what someone thinks is good and what another person thinks is good is totally different to each person. It doesn't really matter. If, but oh, God, Sex Pistols are good. If you guys don't... Do you guys have anything else you want to say? I have a segment from Jones's book I wanted to close with, if we can. Let's do it. Let's, go ahead. Let's go. Good. All right. All right. This is from Steve Jones's Lonely Boy quote here. Whether it was me crunching through Glenn's Beatle chords or John battling to make himself heard over me and Paul or all four of us kind of kicking back against Malcolm, the struggles within the band were taking on a creative form. That's why there was no fixing the problems that ultimately destroyed us, because they were the same things that made the band work in the first place. I guess the one lesson you could learn from it all would be about trusting who you're with and not trying to be too controlling, because the magic was always the bit that none of us could control. We just didn't know how to handle how big we became after Grundy, really. We were like those fucking idiots who win the football pools, then blow all the money and end up committing suicide. <laughs> 